0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in DevOps. I'm your host Charles Max Wood. We are here with Jeffrey Groman. Jeffrey, do you want to say hello? Hey, how are you doing today, Chuck? Doing all right. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to kind of treat you as the guest because. Yeah, our topic for today, we were talking before the show, and I, I've i had a really hard time following this one and knowing exactly what's going on. We're going to be talking about the situation, what went down in December, I think, with solar winds. Yeah. And right. yeah, I mean, I've kind of seen, I'll just give context for for where I'm coming at this from, because I've seen some stories about how this compromised systems all over the place. And I believe SolarWinds provides security infrastructure for certain systems. Some people implied that certain government agencies had been part of the compromise. And I think that's where, you know, I listen to some shows that have a political bent. And so they're like, hey, this happened. And this department said this thing. But that's about all I know, right? I I don't know what actually happened. I don't know what the nature of, you know, if like software you know, malicious software was disseminated through their system or whether SolarWind somehow, you know, was compromised in a way that just gave people access to some of these machines or what. So why don't you go ahead and fill us in on what happened and then we can kind of go from there and talk about, okay, so who needs to care about this and why? And then kind of the broader conversation around security and what this means for people with security going forward, even if they don't have SolarWinds. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that sounds like a a great way to go.
0: Do you want to move off the individual contributor track and onto the management track? Maybe you want to become a director of engineering or CTO. Let me help. I'm starting a program to help developers move up in their careers using proven techniques and by starting a podcast in order to advance. Right now, I'm only scheduling calls to see where you're at and where you want to go and how you can get there. I'm not doing any sales pitches, just talking to you about where you're at. You can schedule that call at devchat.tv/slash Next Level.
1: You know, and, and as we chatted about before the show, it's like, you know, this is a this is one of those great stories that keeps people sort of entertained. But but there's a lot to learn from this, and I think that's where we want to, you know, sort of focus in on, especially from the right. knowing who our audience is, the DevOps folks. And I think there's some mm-hmm. really interesting, you know, nuances and and, and pieces to the story that really fits, you know, with our audience. And I, and I really want to delve into those. So right. let me start with, you know, where you sort of left off. And I, and I think there's a lot of confusion about this. You know, I'm a security guy, you know, run my security practice, and I have a lot of clients who are very concerned about this. So I've been spending, you know, countless hours going through research reports, you know, blog posts there's been articles in in you know like the new york times and wall street journal and others you know from the government the uh Mm -hmm. cisa you know who's who's really sort of become the the government agency for providing you know like alerts and real you know real information for for folks to sort of be able to say okay hey here's something that's going on so they've been providing a whole bunch of data so there's just this like you know, just accumulated mass of information, and and I, you know, I know most people aren't spending the time to go through it. So let's, uh, you know, let, let's sort of just walk through some of these interesting yeah. data points. So
0: well, and just just to stop you for a second, I think yeah. I think we're dealing with a couple of things here. It's not just that there are all these different disparate sources, but they all care about different things. Yeah, and especially for yeah. news sources like New York Times and things like that, they if they're going to do a good job covering it they have to get somebody who actually knows what they're even looking at and right. then if they do that then they've got to be able to explain to all the lay people right what's going on and so well, i think that, that's part of the issue too
1: yeah no that's a really interesting one and I, and I don't want to jump ahead but i don't want to forget this point that you just that, okay. that you're sort of hinting at here so i'm going to i'm going to do a little foreshadowing here and new york times ran an article i don't know maybe a couple of weeks ago now it's hard to remember you know exact dates but it's easily googled, about you know basically alleging that JetBrains was part of this whole thing, right? Right. So that's that's what like IntelliJ. It's like uh, Team. Mm-hmm. Help me out. Is yeah. it Team City or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Team like,
0: City, IntelliJ, RubyMine.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and they were Junk specifically talking Storm. about Team City as like the CI/CD that yeah. was also part of this Solar Winds. Compromise and people oh, are like, "Whoa, wait a second here, what's going on?" Because that blows things up much larger mm-hmm. than it was before. Now they cited absolutely, like I said, they alleged it. They cited absolutely no proof to it, and JetBrains came out. The CEO had a couple of blog posts saying, uh, "That's the first we're hearing of it. Nobody has come to us." I like, know. Typically, what happened is, and this is what happened to Solar Winds once they announce that yes we have been breached is you basically have law enforcement across many different agencies of law enforcement right. in the united states descending upon them and and saying hey we need to help you with this investigation because we're talking about some serious stuff here right this mm-hmm. is an attack from a nation state it's been you know many many sources like in the government have said russia you know, regardless of who, who it was, it's clearly like, you know, this isn't just some, some you know, a couple of kids with their hoodies in the basement, right? This is like, this was a serious, seriously sophisticated attack. And we're going to get mm-hmm. into some of the details, you know? So then, like I say, you, you explode this into like saying, hey, it's also including Team City and other, and other you know, and, and, and other, mm-hmm. another organization or a company and other sort of products. So it doesn't seem like there's any, I mean, I, I don't want to say that's not true, but there's been no evidence that there is any, you know, uh, anything to those allegations. So we'll see what happens with that piece of it. We're keeping our eyes on it, but so far, you know, so far not. So I don't want to scare anybody in the, in the audience right. saying, oh, we're, you know, worry about this if you are using IntelliJ or if you're using Team City. No, no, I don't I don't think so. Not at least not yet. So okay. let's yeah, let's talk about SolarWinds. So SolarWinds, uh, it's not a security tool per se. It's actually like a network monitoring tool. And it's very very prevalent. They they said mm-hmm. so. Solar is the company. The product in that we're talking about is actually Orion. So okay, we're sort of calling it Solar Winds because most people who use the Orion product just refer to it as Solar Winds. But yeah, it's a network monitoring product. So it's a relatively affordable one. So they've got you know according to their SCC filing, there was something like eighteen thousand or almost eighteen thousand customers identified having downloaded a compromised version of the SolarWinds Orion software, software. Oh, wow. That's yeah, it's a huge number, huge number, which obviously made made big headlines. So what exactly happened? Well, what what appears to have happened, we, we have this data sources now from SolarWinds themselves, we have from Microsoft, we have from FireEyes, we've got like a whole, you know, we've got a slew of different technology companies who've all running investigations and all sort of coming to the same conclusion. So we, we feel very confident That we have at least a pretty good picture of what happened. So so let's talk about the sophistication and, and what the purpose of this attack was. So we know after the attack was identified by FireEye, by Microsoft, and then by SolarWinds themselves, we know that this Orion product, which is a .NET product, was compromised. Basically, a shim of malware was inserted into the build and so if you downloaded from SolarWinds, right? We're not downloaded from mm-hmm. some third party site, but from SolarWinds right. themselves, so you downloaded this update dating back to like between like April and June, I believe it was up on their website. So, you know, long period of time, what would happen is the malware would then given all the right conditions, and, it, and, it, and there were some conditions, but given the right conditions, this malware would hit a what we call a C2 site. So C2 means command and control. And basically what that means is, you think about it this way, if I've got a piece of malware, I'm a bad guy, right? I'm a threat Mm -hmm. actor, as we call them. And I get my malware onto your systems. I don't know it because I don't know that you download it and I don't know that it actually is running. I don't know anything, right? I'm blind. right? But So what do I do? Well, I get the malware, I basically write the malware so that it will then talk out to a domain under my control. Right, and it hits that domain right with HTTP or HTTPS traffic, and it gets a message back, and that message is its command. So we call it the mm-hmm. command and control infrastructure, the C two right. infrastructure. All right. So it gets that, and then what that basically does is opens a backdoor into your environment. So now I, as the bad guy, get this—you know—get a message. However, that works exactly in my dashboard. It says, "Hey, you know, you've hit." Chuck's company, and you know you're in. So now I can go and, and and do what I want in your company. So one thing that we've heard is that out of the eighteen thousand or almost eighteen thousand downloads, we're only talking about something like one hundred only only right? one hundred and fifty or so. <laughs> yeah, environments that were actually penetrated by this threat actor. In other words, the threat actor wasn't looking to hit eighteen thousand environments; they're looking to hit very specific targets. Right so and i think that's yeah but if you're one of
0: those 150 that not good for you
1: oh no no this was like a nightmare it was a nightmare of of an investigation and remediation efforts and you know basically business is on hold until you figure this out right until it's investigated until it's remediated until you know that the bad guys are are out of the system so you know it's it's interesting so you know it's a very specific group of targets that, that they were after so what you'll see reported is we're calling this a supply chain attack meaning that solar winds was not the ultimate target. they were a victim like everybody else you know who was hit by this they were not the actual target they were simply a means to get to the target and because right. of that we're calling it a supply chain attack and this is not, it's not the first time this has happened if you're aware of or familiar with the um there's a utility out there's been a, been around there for a long time but I, you know one of those utilities for like getting malware off of your systems it's called CCleaner if you've ever heard of it and it's it's been around for years and they suffered something very similar back in like 2017 so you know bad guys got in there and the bad guys in that case got into their systems and were actually able to get into their source code repository and inserted their malware as right. a source and and then eventually it was found. And what was interesting is, I think there was something like a million downloads and there was only 40 companies that were identified that actually got like the second stage dropper. In other words, in, in plain English, 40 out of like a million downloads, 40 companies were actually targeted. Right. Again, because it's, it's a supply chain. It's it's like, uh-huh. hey, how do I get to the ones I wanna get to? I'm just gonna grab, I'm gonna go after a company like Shoulder Winds that's being used by anybody and everybody. And, I, and right. more than likely, the targets I'm interested in are going to be part of that, you know, download group, or at least, you know, a good chunk of them. Maybe not all of them, but a, but a good chunk of them.
0: Right. So what you're doing is, yeah, so I install it on my computer. They don't care about my computer because I'm one guy, right? <laughs> exactly. But somebody <clears throat> at big company X, right? So it's right. Goldman Sachs or right. U.S. Yeah. government, right? Exactly, and they're the like DOJ, they're like, right? Yeah, there's got to be good stuff here. Yeah, right
1: exactly and, and stuff that they're really interested in i mean you could be a big company you know like they say that Cisco was hit but Cisco is like a couple of labs like they probably weren't going after Cisco they were after right. very you know even though there's probably plenty to go after in a company as big as Cisco you know technology ip there's all kinds of stuff to go after but that's not right. what they were interested in they're interested in very specific things okay. right. So understand that. So here's the, one of the interesting things to me about this, and I think this is again, you know, really interesting from our audience. Well, actually, before I get there, let me just, you know, answer one of the questions you asked, which was that you said, "Well, is it possible now that this malware is out there? Is it possible that somebody else can sort of piggyback on this and just use that malware?" So, you know, like let's say, you know, you downloaded, you know, Chuck, you're, you're using it in in your company. Now, can somebody else, like you, and you weren't hit by this? threat actor because they weren't interested in you but you know you never clean up like let's say you, you you don't bother actually updating your solar wind so you're still running this this you know compromised version This version that has malware in it could some other threat actor piggyback off this attack mm-hmm. and utilize that malware that's running in people's environments and just assuming hey i bet not everybody has cleaned it up right you know right. not even you know it's very possible that, that people just leave it uh, don't even think about it aren't even aware of it who knows what what mm-hmm. the answer is. so the um, the short answer is 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 almost positively not because what happened was the c2 domain was a, was a very specific domain that the malware mm-hmm. was talking out to and Microsoft specifically they would sort of gotten into the business where when they have when they're aware of a and they're, you know they're probably the biggest antivirus, Software provider out there now because you've got Windows yeah. Defender, right? Yeah, it's Windows Defender built yep. in. Yeah, so they're probably the biggest, more, most prolific, you know, AV company out there, software provider. So when they find domains like this that are known, what we call known bad, it's a known bad domain. It's not like it's somebody's, it's not Jim's domain that he's, yeah. you know, hosting his own e-commerce site and somebody just put their own garbage on there, their own malware. No, no, no this was a, this was a domain. Registered and utilized for the specific purpose of, you know, C two or mm-hmm. malware or something like that. So Microsoft, you know, works it out with the registrar. They grab the domain, they take it over, and they do what we call a DNS sinkhole. What that means is that if you do an HTTP request uh, to that domain, you'll get nothing back because it's been cleaned. Right there, they own it. You won't get right. anything back. But because they own it and they own the primary DNS on it, they are able to track every request that goes to that domain. Right. And now they're gonna say, oh, hey Chuck, did you know that your system is trying to talk out? You really should clean that stuff up. Right. So there's no way for like any other bad guy to use it because Microsoft now owns that C2 domain and that's hard coded right. into the, to the malware. Yeah, so, okay. So, you know, unless there's something else, like unless, you know, somehow that changes or there were somehow other domains that were involved that, you know, we're not, we're not quite aware of yet you know which is possible which is why you do want to clean up that malware off your system if you've got that version of Solarwinds Orion definitely run an update Solarwinds as a company has said even if you are no longer licensed we will give you access to the update that cleans up you know that that gets rid of the junk just just download the update you'll get it mm-hmm. even if you're not licensed anymore so yeah that's first advice make sure you get this stuff out of your environment cuz you just never know what you right. know where that domain could end up down the road Okay but you know here's here's a really interesting aspect that researchers from CrowdStrike found out so they were helping SolarWinds to do the investigation and they were trying to answer the question how right how did mm-hmm. this threat actor get their software and, in, into this build and right. the first question that we want to answer was did they you know did they get into the source repository did they have access into the mm-hmm. source and in the answer to that was no, and it's probably not because they couldn't, but it seems like, and we're, you know, we're guessing a little bit here, but right. it seems like they didn't want to because it seems like they were a little bit concerned that solar winds would get wind right somebody would notice mm-hmm. somebody would do a code review right and say what That's is right. this function what is going on here like where did this code come from yeah
0: who committed this
1: right exactly who committed it and 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 how and all of a sudden, and and then you know basically you yeah. you know the gig, the right the jig is up at that point and these guys lost all their investment you know cuz imagine how much investment you're talking about of you know basically compromising solar winds and then getting your malware in there and all this and you know what we found was that we, as a community, I'm saying, is that the earliest sort of uh, shim into this uh, into the Orion product was dating back into like 2019. So months before. Oh wow! Um, the malware was uploaded. You know, it was actually part of the build. They were already testing basically a blank function that didn't do anything, but they just wanted to make sure: Hey, can we do it? And B, our, can we do it without getting detected? Right? So right. so what they found was that, that these guys built a, a, another piece of malware outside of the SolarWinds malware, got it onto the build server. And every time the build process was called, this basically stopped the build process, took this chunk of code, stuck it in, and then oh, wow. the build process continues. Yeah. Yeah, really complicated stuff. Like it had a mutex to make sure, hey, nothing else is running, no other version of this malware is running. It had a process to make sure that it would die very, very cleanly because if it didn't and there are errors in the build, right? Mm-hmm. Then someone's going to notice that. And someone's going to say, wait a second, what's going on? Why, you know, what, what are these errors and what's going on and blah, blah, blah. So this is, I mean, it was a really sophisticated piece of software just to get their malware into the build. And I, and I think that there's just, you know, you just have to pause right there and say, wow, you know, anybody I think who's building software on, at, at scale with a lot of customers has to like, at this point sort of scratch their head and say, could we be next? And, and I'm not trying to say, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to scare anybody saying, you know, you know we're, we're all at risk here, but it's just one of those things where you got to say, wow, the sophistication was was quite high Right. You know, how could we sort of prevent this? If I'm a soft, you know, if I'm a, you know, if I'm Winds or some other software shop, mm-hmm. how do I prevent this kind of thing from happening? Is there, is there ways right. to detect it? Is there ways to, you know, and yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting. And certainly what we've always seen in the past is that whatever really cool, you know, attack methodologies that the tactics and techniques that the threat actors use because, you know, probably because we document them so, so well, you know, and there's so much transparency out there, but then the next group of threat actors learns from that. So Mm -hmm. I I think we just have to be aware that this is out there. Anybody can read about it and, and and learn how they did this and basically copycat it or, or do something similar. Right. I think we just need to be aware, you know, anybody in the software field just needs to be aware that, you know, this kind of a thing is not—it's not science fiction, right? This is this happened. Yeah. And this happened at scale, and it took. And the only reason why it was foiled as quickly as it was, and we're talking about—I mean, you know—earliest versions of Solar Winds with a compromise, you know, with a, with a you know with malware, and it was from April of 2020, and it wasn't actually found until you know we're talking about what is that? You know, six, seven, eight months later probably in the December timeframe. So, and the only reason it was happening that quickly is because a company like FireEye was investigating a breach in their own systems. So-
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, I mean,
1: this, this this could have gone on for much longer. You know, I mean, SolarWinds only found out about it because FireEye went to them and said, and that's, and it's in their SEC filing. I'm not, you know, I'm not making this up. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was basically an executive from FireEye goes to SolarWinds to the CEO, calls him on the weekend. <laughs> And says, "You got a problem. We have a problem. We've captured it. Like we know what's going on now. You've got a problem." And that's the only reason reason that they actually, you know, were able to start the investigation and figure this out. If it weren't for that, this could still be going on today. So, it, you know, it really it's really a uh, you know sort of a deceptive or or really stealthy attack on Solar Winds.
0: That that's amazing. I mean, honestly, it's you know, I I never really. Th- think about, you know, I hear somebody got compromised or whatever, right? And I never really think too deeply about how. I mean, sometimes we hear about breaches, like I think there was the Equifax or Experian. I can't remember which one. And they got in through a not up to date. Yeah, right. Something wasn't up to date. And, you know, and it it got, you know, so and there was an exploit, a known exploit to get in. And that's one thing, right? Because you can almost script against those and get right. in, right? But this is something right. else, right? This is somebody deliberately compromising a specific system to get access to specific things. Yeah, and yeah, I mean th- that's just fascinating. So, so FireEye is looking at their stuff, right? And they're going, there, "There's there's fishy stuff going on." They track it down. I guess they didn't speak to what they saw that tipped them off, or did they?
1: So that sounds so interesting. So what we've, uh, as much as I've seen written about it, the way they found out now, and, and we haven't gotten to really some of the interesting parts of like, okay, what happens once the bad guy so let's talk about that first and I'll tell you how far yeah. I found it. So- I was going
0: to ask that next. Yeah. So yeah, once they're in, what are they doing or getting or being or whatever?
1: Right. So the typical, what we call, you know, attack life cycle is you get into that, that you have the initial access. That's what we call it. Initial access, mm-hmm. right? So in this case, the initial access was probably the SolarWinds server, which is sitting in a data center somewhere, probably dedicated to the task of network monitoring, right? Right. So... On the server itself, there's not a lot of interesting stuff, right? So from there, the threat actor has to start looking around and saying, okay, I need to get to the stuff I'm really interested in because this is just the initial access. So Uh what they start to do from there is what we call lateral movement, basically pivoting into your environment and uh, and doing some reconnaissance, trying to get a hold of legitimate credentials that they can use for like jumping to other hosts, Mm -hmm. right? That sort of thing. Now in this case Solarwinds actually helps them because Solarwinds is a network monitoring system you can imagine that it has to have a whole bunch of credentials to things like routers and switches yeah. and windows hosts and linux hosts and you know probably root passwords and administrative accounts in windows right i mean that's a treasure trove very likely mm-hmm. for so it's very possible that they were able to grab those credentials and then start moving right start you know, you can RDP to another system, you can PS exact, there's so many different ways you can mm-hmm. use PowerShell. Those are the types of things that, that you typically look for. And what the what the threat actor usually wants to do, so back, you know, we'll, we'll go backwards in time a little bit, because I, I, I think at least for anybody who's been around infrastructure a long time, back when things were a little bit simpler, you'd say, okay, well, if I had domain admin, right? I got the keys to the castle because I can do anything, right? So that yes. was sort of like the penultimate. That's what you're going after was, was DA, you know, Domain Admin mm-hmm. Credentials. And sometimes, yes, yeah, you know, so I had
0: school. that job for a while when I was in college, so yeah. <laughs> domain Admin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, right? I managed all of the network machines. And right. well, I was one of the people that managed all the network machines and all of the Windows machines, right? And right. so, yeah, Active Directory, they just kind of turned it all on for me so that I could yeah. take care of whatever they needed me to take care of.
1: Exactly. That, and that's the thing. Once you have those creds, you can do anything. Sky's the limit. Yeah. So, you know, then came out around this idea of, hey, you know, in the Kerberos world, you know, Kerberos tickets, if I can get that golden ticket, right, that the Kerberos ticket that allows you to create new credentials, man, if I'm a threat actor and I get a hold of that ticket, I, am, I can create any credentials I want with any privileges I want and unless I'm detected, like unless they detect the fact that I've created new credentials, which unfortunately most, you know, most organizations are not paying that much attention to new, you know, to new accounts being created, right? You can pretty much do what you want. So what these guys did is something relatively new. We've seen a little bit of it before, but it's a, it's sort of a new idea is, you know, jump into the the cloud era where you've got a lot of. Microsoft, uh, you know, O365, Office 365, you know, installments. So people are just moving email and everything else, right, to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So now what you're doing is you're moving AD to the cloud with what they call Azure AD, right? Yep. So you're basically doing replication between your on-premise AD and and the cloud AD. And how a lot of this works with Azure AD is with SAML and with OAuth. Mm -hmm. So... Interestingly, with Saml, there is a sort of "quote unquote" you know golden certificate that you know as a administrative user, if you can grab that, you know if you want to create new credentials, you basically sign them with this certificate. So if I can grab that certificate and then create new creds, I got, again, sky's the limit. I can do what I want with the privileges I need and all that, and that's what was observed that these threat actors were doing they're basically creating either adding privileges using this certificate either adding privileges to existing accounts or they were creating new accounts um interestingly enough also because this is the SAML or I, I, I don't know should we talk a little bit about what SAML is uh, maybe it makes sense just to do a yeah little probably bit of for a bit. second
0: yeah let's do yeah let's talk about it briefly have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it. The only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just you need something like that there. And Raygun is Awesome at this. They they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick and it works like a breeze. I I just I love it. I love it. It's like it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's gonna save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let's face it, grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at adventuresindevopspodcast.com slash Raygun.
1: Yeah, real briefly. So Samuel, if you've never... Played with it is basically, you know, think about like, um, I'm trying to think of like a classic example. What I've seen a lot is where, let's say, you know, you've got a SaaS, you know, application, SaaS SaaS software that you need to have access to. Let's -hmm. say it's like Salesforce.com. That's probably a classic example. So if you're a big company and you need your workforce to get access to Salesforce.com, you could set up a whole bunch of accounts and sales. Now you got to manage all those accounts. You got to manage when people leave, when people come in, when people change jobs, and they yeah. all the you know how the, all that that's a pain. So this idea of Saml is okay. Tell you what, we will federate that authentication and basically say, okay, I'm Salesforce. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, Chuck's company is a customer of mine, and therefore within Chuck's account in Salesforce.com. I am going to federate authentication to Chuck's identity provider, right? which could be some form of active directory or something like that, mm-hmm. right? ADFS, that sort of thing.
0: Right.
1: So if I do that, then I'm basically saying anybody who's coming from Chuck's company is gonna basically say, okay, go authenticate against AD. AD will send a token over to me saying, you're good, you're golden, let them in, right? And then I believe him because I'm salesforce.com. I believe it. And I say, great, I trust you because it's your company. It's, you know, that's your authentication right. scheme. Great. So that's how SAML works. It allows you to federate authentication.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And basically, you know, again, take the salesforce.com example. What that means is that it would say, okay, you know, chuckscompany.com, that's the, you know, that's basically, a, there's an identify a, a identity provider for that domain. Anybody coming right. from that domain? that's that's the identity provider who's going to give me the token. So the other thing the bad guys did was, they said, you know what? We're going to add in a couple of trusted domains into the SAML setup. Oh, geez.
0: (laughs) Right? And now
1: I I can do anything I want because it's my own identity provider and I'm just getting them to trust me. So really sort of unique and novel approach to basically getting credentials and getting access. And again, it's just, then you're moving around and you're just looking for What it is that you're the most interested? Usually, it's data, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's disruption. Sometimes it's it's, hey, we want to just take systems offline. I think think about like ransomware and that sort of thing. You know, we're basically just going to hijack your company. In this in this case, these guys seem to be uh, after data. We don't have a lot of information about what they were after, but you know, there is there things like from DOJ where they you know sounds like they went after email and DOJ. It sounds like they're after you know maybe some cases as well, case law, case work that was going on. So yeah it's 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 unclear i mean there's not hasn't been a lot of details but at least there has been those sort of specifics about how the threat actor you know what did they do once they got in through solarwinds so again solarwinds was just in the initial access from there it was like you know they were doing all kinds of things like i say within within saml um mm-hmm. saml tokens and other things to um, to try and you know gain access and uh, and so anybody you know i think that again what do you learn from this it's that you know, even if you've moved some of your services to the cloud, there really is no security boundary, right? If they hit your on-prem system through SolarWinds, what's to stop them from then moving into Azure? And what we've really right. seen is that there isn't anything. There's nothing to stop them. So you right, really because, have to
0: be... Yeah, because you you go unlock those doors. I mean, there, they may, there may still be some checks, right? Between your on-prem systems and Azure. But, there
1: can be, but and there absolutely but, can be. There there are ways to do it, but unfortunately, but, but there are keys
0: use. that will get you past those doors anyway.
1: Exactly. Now, you know, Microsoft has provided. You know, we we could cover this. You know, separately, um, there are really good ways to to basically lock down those accounts. So even if I create accounts, even if I I can monitor for hey, new domains that are that are new trusted domains that are added in. I should right. be monitoring for that, right? And seeing because that's not a normal thing. Anytime that happens, right. that should be a red alert, right? The old start. Right. You should be able things.
0: to pick up the phone and find out who did it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Very quickly, because that's not there's very few false positives there. Like that's that's yeah. the real deal if that happens. So yeah, there's that, and there's also just really controlling, you know, what. Um, when you have accounts, what are they able to do? When should they be able, able to do it and all this kind of stuff? And there's, there's a lot of ways to control that within Azure. So there are, but it requires you to put in that time and effort to build those security, those uh, access controls in place. And, and unfortunately, I think just very few companies have really you know, taken the time and the effort to do that. But I think that's you know, definitely a key takeaway from this.
0: Yeah. So do we know who all was compromised then?
1: So there's been some you know, some public, what, what's the word for it? You know, there's been some public disclosures about some of the right. companies, you know, so we know some of the high tech, I mean, even Microsoft, right? They mm-hmm. they themselves said that they were, um, you know, there, there was a story, I'm trying to remember who ran this, there was a story that, oh yeah, the, the threat actors got access to all of Microsoft source code, you know, as if this was mm-hmm. like a huge thing, like, wow, you know, which yeah. on the surface of it sounds really scary. And then Microsoft came back later and said, well, Wait a second here. Yes, they had they had access to specific accounts, which we know they didn't do anything. And by the way, a lot of our source code internally to Microsoft employees is on GitHub, right? Because they own it now. Right. And they said, and they said basically anybody. I don't know if it's anybody, but a lot of Microsoft employees have read access to those. Um, right. You know, to those projects in, in, in GitHub. So, you know, their attitude was. We sort of take the stance that, and again, I'm just sort of repeating what what they said. Uh, I'm not trying to editorialize, but they basically said, you know, we we believe that threat actors have our source code already, and you know, we're we're basically just operating on that assumption, and we're constantly trying to build security in. Right? It's just, right. it's not about obscurity; it's about building secure software. So. Um, yeah, they hit Microsoft. It doesn't seem like, and that story died pretty quickly. So I think my guess is that there was truth to what Microsoft was saying. Right. So yeah, the high-tech companies, it doesn't seem like that was really what they were after. It seems like it's the government agencies and that's where we don't have a whole bunch of information. We know like was right. like one of them. So we know that there, there, um, there were a lot of you know, government agencies that were hit. We just don't have a lot of details as to what they actually got. And and I'm not sure that we will. I'm not sure how that's going to, you know, unfold.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting too, because like DOJ, yeah, I was kind of baffled as to what exactly they were looking for there, because, you know, it's not, it's not these government agencies where they have like top secret information or something. I mean, right you might be able to compromise a case that the DOJ is running. I mean, right. getting info yeah. on judges and other folks, that just doesn't. Yeah. So, so it, I wasn't it's unclear. It really is. Yeah. Unclear.
1: Cause you know, then you think about it, like you know, in any court case, you could have a tremendous amount of data that's being um, subpoenaed or, or, you know, it's under discovery. So, right. You know, is it, were they interested in specific cases and some of the data that, you know, like, because we've seen that in a lot of investigations in the past is that you're, you're, you're scratching your head like, why did they want that? And then yeah. you just figure it out and like, wow, they were really clever. They realized yeah. that data they were after happened to be sitting on a DOJ server somewhere because it was discovered under some random court case.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So I, I don't know. I don't want to say that was the reason, but it, it sometimes you, you really scratch your head. You're just like, I, I don't get it. Why are they doing right. this? And then you realize just how clever they were.
0: Right, a case where maybe the federal government was a defendant or something like that, and could yeah, be I mean, under it really discovery. Could be, yeah, could be companies.
1: It could be. Yeah, we just yeah. don't know. Um, you know,
0: it, that's it, that's really really interesting. Yeah. So I'm assuming, just just to, you know, kind of keep rolling a little bit. I'm assuming yeah. that Solar Winds notified everybody that got the compromised stuff you know, what action did they take? Because did they help people identify if they had actually been compromised or not? Or, yeah. That's a
1: good question. So typically what happens, I don't think SolarWinds did. What anybody who was compromised, so so there are companies out there, there are companies that, that collect what we call passive DNS information. So again, going back to that example I, I gave earlier um, about the DNS sinkhole, there's a lot of passive DNS data out there, a lot of sensors And so if we can find out who is making DNS requests to that domain that's being used for C2, Mm -hmm. right? If I look at who made that request, you know, basically the IP address of where it's coming from, then I can notify those companies to say, hey, you most likely have the SolarWinds malware on your systems. So those folks were were notified in, in one of, you know, several different ways. Sometimes, you know, some of these are being investigated by the FBI and by other law enforcement. So sometimes right. you can a phone call you get from the FBI saying, hey, guys,
0: you oh, know, we're investigating,
1: we, yeah, we, we realized you, you guys were part of this. So it, right. it's, it's probably a, a variety of different ways that you can be notified. Um, you know, SolarWinds might have notified you that you downloaded, you know, that, you know, hey, we, we. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact. Um, I'm not sure what notifications they provided, but they clearly knew because they said that almost 18,000. So they had they had a very specific count of how many clients have downloaded um, this compromised version of mm-hmm. their software. So they probably notified as well. But but yeah, in terms of an investigation, you'd be sort of on your own as a company. You're on your own. You gotta either 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 do it in house or you're hiring investigators. You know, right. investigators from outside.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure what the next questions are to ask on this, other than to kind of go to more general principles, right? So, so what kinds of things do you, so because I'm I'm not I'm not Jeff, right? I don't have Jeff's experience. I don't know how all this stuff works. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so if this was my company and this was happening to me, like what kinds of things should I be vigilant to in order to pick up on this, right? So FireEye, it sounds like this is kind of what they do. So they you know, they could track it down. But right. for, for Joe Blow, business guy like me, you know, what, what should I be paying attention to? You've mentioned a few things, but yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, I think there are, there are definitely a few things. Um, you know, th- there's definitely the logging and monitoring that we were talking about earlier about, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, hey, if you can monitor for, you know, privileges that are added to accounts, right? That's not a typical thing to happen again. Right. What we also found was that if if the threat actor was taking over somebody's account, they might try to register another device for multi-factor authentication, right? Another device for do oh, okay. or something like that. Okay. If if all of a sudden I, as a user, see that, you know, hey, I just got notified that another device of mine is supposed to be registered for MFA, I should be scratching my head and, and alerting my security team, or my security team could be also monitoring for that kind of thing. So I think those those there are those things, but beyond the logging and monitoring, I think what really um, is to me, it's still sort of like, wait a second, why are we, some of the stuff could have been stopped a lot easier. And what I mean by that is that in the security world, we've we've talked about like the basic blocking and tackling of using firewalls and um, doing like URL filtering and stuff like this. So think about it from this perspective. Let's say you're a company, you stand up a server to run SolarWinds. Why does that Mm -hmm. server ever need to communicate out to the internet? The only reason I can think of is maybe to get patches. But right. if you've got like an enterprise patching system, you're probably pushing patches to it. It's probably not going out to like Microsoft mm-hmm. update and SolarWinds update and stuff like that. It's probably getting pushed to it. So it's good chance that that server never has to hit anything in the internet. So why, yeah. you know, if you were just to do that, block your servers that don't need to have internet access, They can never hit C2 traffic. You know, you never have C2 traffic coming from them at that point. Mm -hmm. Another way to think about it is like URL filtering. You know, this domain that was being used was some random, you know, unknown domain. If you're using URL filtering and saying, you know, enterprise-wide, you can only, I want my people to only be able to hit websites that you know, how, are categorized and categorized right. being like, we know it's a good website that's google.com or it's, you know, whatever it else. And I'm not trying to say, Hey, block everybody's, you know, cloud email and all that. Just, you know, block the stuff that's not, that's unknown. You know, that can go yeah. a long ways, but like I say, in general, The why company
0: should- I work for does that actually. Yeah. So we, we have software on every machine. It's really annoying actually. It but is. Yeah. It'll it'll block it, right? And so what winds up happening is if you need to get to a domain, right? So, you know, I could do a Google search, for example, right? And so if I click through to an article and I can't get to it, there's a process for me to have them unlock that domain. Right, exactly. And they'll either unlock it temporarily, right? So it'll unlock it for a week or two weeks or when, right. until the next time they reset the list or it'll unlock it permanently. But the permanent list is... I mean, you—you you, it has to be something that the company knows you're going to have to use day in and day out. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. You know, so, so that's like again, that's sort of our our blocking and tackling. Right? That's a great way mm-hmm. to stop a lot of malware from ever getting downloaded or from being able to communicate out. So, I think there's right. there really are you know some basic things like that that unfortunately, you know, it's easier not to set those up, and but you're just putting yourself at risk. So that's probably some of the takeaways that that I would that I would say is I like, you know this isn't about getting really fancy. It's just about doing the basic stuff and thinking about the basic stuff. and you know really like I said, thinking it out, like how many servers do you know did you have in your server farm that ever need to communicate out to the internet? Probably none of them, hopefully. you know, I mean, unless you' are talking about an external server like a like a web server or something like right. that. you know, but even then,
0: yeah, you, but you know, that's like, inbound traffic, right?
1: Right, As I was going to say it should not be initiating it. It should be right. simply responding to a request. So again, you know, there's just a lot of ways that you can stop a lot of these types of things. So, and then, and that's true for a lot of different types of uh, attacks that we see. So many of them could be blocked and stopped. It's certainly made a lot more difficult. I mean, I don't want to say that you know when you've got a determined threat actor, there are ways around it, but you're really making it much harder on them when you just put those simple things and you're consistent about it and you don't have big holes, and big gaps. You know, like, oh, well, yeah, these hundred systems, they all have to go through the URL filtering system. But then we've got these other, you know, 50 on the side here that don't. Well, you know, once you make it into Swiss cheese, then, um, you know, you're, you're basically yeah. just shooting yourself in the foot. So, yeah. But yeah, that, that's really what it is. I, I think it's just being a bit rational and a bit, you know, a bit more focused on putting, just getting those defenses in place. You know, it's funny. I was just writing up a newsletter about this. And I was like, you know, I'm writing this and it's right in the middle of playoff football, right? And my son's gotten really into football. And uh, and I'm like, you know, this is just like, you know, if you want your team to make it in the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter how great your quarterback is. If you don't have a defense that's really, right, right, that's able to make plays, it's able to stop, run, um, pressure the quarterback. I, you're gonna get killed, yeah. like, it's just not gonna, you're not gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to win. It's the yeah. same principle here you've got to have your defenses set up, consistent, just doing the basic stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny because you brought up football, and I was thinking more of the offensive line, right? Oh, because the football's yeah. got a the foot there, the quarterback's got a job to do, right? Yeah, and sometimes it's you know, he's sending you know, a tight end or somebody out with the football, right? He's going to just hand it to somebody and they're going to go. Right. And so in those cases, that offensive line's got to open the right hole in the right spot. So that guy can get through, or sometimes it's just their job is to keep everybody clear of the quarterback so that he can drop the ball down the field to somebody else. But either way, it's, it's about opening the right holes in the right place and not allowing, you know, attackers to penetrate.
1: Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. I like it a lot, and it's so true. And it just, but again, it just makes it, you know, makes it real. Like we can imagine that. And that's, that's just how you have yeah. to build your computing environment as well.
0: Yeah. And I I never played on the offensive line. Uh, two of my brothers did. And I, I will point out that a lot of that is very deliberate, right? You have yeah. to know what play is being run and then you've got to be, you, you're making right. sure you're in the right place. and And yeah. that's what this is about.
1: Yeah. It's sophisticated. It's, but it's just, it's the basic stuff, but it takes practice, and it you know, and it takes a playbook, right? It doesn't just happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm going to express some th- sympathy for the people that went through this, both at yeah. Solar Winds and with their customers, because that's got to be so frustrating.
1: It really is. It, it's it's a horrible, you know, it's a, it's weeks of 24 seven just nonstop. Your families suffer. It's mm-hmm. it's tough. It's a really yeah. tough situation to go through.
0: Yep, and you're just—I mean—you're just trying to do what you do in the world, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. right. Anyway, well, is there anything else that we should throw out there before we jump on some picks?
1: You know, I really—I know—I I feel like we, we've really hit the interesting points. You know, I—I—I I, I, I thought, you know, talking about how they infiltrated the adult system, talking about some That's, of the defenses, yeah. some of the ways that they are moving laterally with SAML. No, I think you know, I, I really think we've we've given up really the bulk of of what what we can learn, you know, from this. And we'll watch it over time. It's going to, it's certainly going to continue to evolve.
0: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. I'm trying to think about what I should even pick. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to shout out about? Well, I've just
1: been doing a lot of talking and I'm so like, uh, my my mind is totally blank at the moment.
0: Okay. Well, I think I've got a couple of things that I can pull together. So one of them is, so here in Utah, I think they cover like Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, parts of Colorado, Nevada, and Arizona, because it's mostly just Utah statewide and then kind of the surrounding parts. But KSL is our uh, local, what are they? NBC affiliate, but they've got kind of this broader set of things that they do right. And one of the things that they do is they have this really great classified system on there. On there, right. So if you live in the west, you know, anywhere within kind of the orbit of Salt Lake City and a little bit of like Las Vegas, you've probably used KSL classifieds to find stuff. And this is a hack that my father-in-law actually he helped me figure out so my my truck i walked out the other day and the tire was completely flat and i backed it out i didn't realize the tire was flat backed it out of my driveway and when i did that the tire came off the rim like completely off the rim right and you know so i pull it back in and i'm like well crap you know and so uh and i thought i'd ruin the tire it turned out i hadn't so that's another lesson right but yeah Uh, Go on KSL classifieds, you can get used tires. And I had never thought of doing such a thing. But it turns out that people will get a new car and they'll decide that they want like new rims or new tires or both. And so they'll pull tires that still have life on them off their cars and replace them. And then the tire store that they do it at will sell those tires secondhand to somebody else who then sells them to people like me now. And so um, you can get, depending on what the situation is, brand new tires all the way down to like 50% worn tires, right? Uh And so I got got a couple of tires for my wife's car for 200 bucks, brand new tires. It took Uh it down to the tire store and they mounted and balanced the whole thing for what, like 40 bucks. So I spent 240 bucks getting new tires and those tires were brand new as opposed to, I think the last time I got new tires at the tire store was like 600 bucks. Yeah. Right. So anyway, just a little hack there. I don't know how relevant (laughs) it is to any of this, but I feel smart for doing it. So I'm I'm sharing. And then one other thing that I'm going to put out there as, as just things that I want people to know about. So one of the things is, I'm putting together a mastermind for people who kind of want to just operate at a higher level as individual contributors or within the community, you know, DevOps community here, but programming communities for other shows. And we're going to be talking about podcasting and things like that, but we're also going to be talking about just how to stay current, how to level up, how to be kind of the the go-to person for knowledge, how to be the top level contributor on your team, how to take on leadership roles, even if you haven't been given a leadership position and stuff like that. I mean, we're just going to, we're just going to knock it out of the park and how to parlay that into getting promotions, getting more pay, getting more freedom. I mean, whatever it is that you're actually after, right? Cause usually people aren't after, well, I I want to do more at work. It's usually something else. So if you're interested in that, go to devchat.tv slash next level right now, it's going to take you to a scheduling page. And so just schedule a call with me. What I'm looking for is just to understand which of kind of the things I've talked about, you're after, right? What what you have in your head as operating at that higher level and that way I can tailor a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be bringing in as as content and things like that to those particular outcomes. Cuz I I mean, it's funny. I've achieved uh, a lot of those things and a lot of it has just come from the fact that I'm involved in the podcasts and I've gotten to know people and you know, have connected with the right people and things like that. And I want to open those opportunities up to other people. So devchat.tv slash next level. And then finally, I've been reading this book and I've really enjoyed it. I listened to it on Audible, but I'm, I've am i been reading it. It's called The Vision Driven Leader. It's by Michael Hyatt. And it's it's a book about leadership, specifically corporate leadership, but there's so much good stuff in there. If you're looking to impact anything at all, then the leadership skills that he puts in there, um, and how to put together the vision for the outcome you want, it totally applies. Nice. So I'm going to pick that as well. Jeffrey, what 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 picks do you have?
1: Yeah. So you know, one thing I, I've been doing a lot recently is you know just doing a lot of uh. So I've got a lot of videos that I've got from you know recorded Zoom, and one thing I have found is that when you record off of Zoom, the I think it's an MP4 right that you that you get and it's sort of like in a goofy format uh, if you're trying to like play it or I mean it'll, it'll play like on a normal player but if you're trying to edit it or anything like that it's a little bit goofy so one thing that I've been I guess using a lot is Camtasia if uh, I don't know if you've ever used it for video um, mm-hmm. editing it's not the, I know it's not the cheapest one out there I, I personally find that it just is intuitive for me like I can do what I need to do in it really quickly. But what I find is that I can really quickly just sort of edit out, you know, the beginning. So if it's a Zoom call, right, that you want to record and use that content for, you know, like, hey, anybody who missed, you know, who missed the presentation, missed the call or whatever else you want to do with it. So I, I do a lot of that. It's just a really cool way to, no, it's just a really cool tool for being able to, as simple as, you know, just sort of taking out intros and and taking out the out, you know, the outtake at the end and and just saving it that way, or if you want to do like transitions and and other things that are a lot more fancy, I find it really quick for for doing that. And then I guess one other piece I'd say is that it's interesting when you when you save off like let's say it's a Zoom, you know, so it's it's got the video, the audio from Zoom, and you save it off. It could be like hundreds of meg, uh, megabytes. It's huge. If you've never used, uh if you're ever in that situation, you need it to be smaller because you just don't, I mean, it's just ridiculous how much storage it, that ends up, you know, using wherever you're, in the, you know, wherever you're hosting it or putting it, there is a free tool called Handbrake that mm-hmm. will just, yep, yeah, it'll just compress it down to like, sometimes it's like, you know, a tenth of the size or certainly about half the size. I mean, it just, it really depends, but. I don't even like tweak the the knobs on it or anything. I just basically just say just start, you know, just just run it, um, and it just it'll take like a 300 meg video and transform it down to like you know 30 to 60 meg. Um, it's it's pretty crazy, pretty wild. So it takes a few minutes. Like you know, go go away and uh, get a cup of coffee, and then you come back and it's done. So I guess it's a couple of picks for for something that I don't know. I'm, I'm probably using those things like. You know, a few times a week now. So I'm spending a lot of time on videos.
0: Are you are you on Windows or Mac? I am on Mac. Okay. Yeah, because I'm on Mac as well, but I use different tools for exactly the same things. <laughs> so, right. So, and, and they're they're both about the same cost, actually, is what you talked about. So, anyway, okay. yeah. So, but I, I'm gonna I I like these tools. So yeah, go check them out. All right. Well, thanks, Jeffrey. This has been really terrific.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a it's a it's an interesting story and a great conversation. So uh, yeah. thanks for you know letting me share.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I've got to jump off for another meeting, but hang in there, folks, and we'll have another one next week. Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more.